Welcome back to Athens Happens. I'm Izzy Keller, Managing Editor of The New Political. Athens Happens is a podcast brought to you by The New Political, a student publication dedicated to explaining the nuances of Ohio University, Athens, and state politics. You can find new episodes at thenewpolitical.com or wherever else podcasts can be downloaded. Today, we are talking about student loan debt. In August, President Biden announced a plan to forgive up to $10,000 in federal student loan debt for families making under $125,000 a year. This plan also forgives up to $20,000 for Pell Grant recipients. Assistant Opinion Editor Zach Donaldson wrote an opinion article in response to Biden's student debt loan plan. His article sparked debate and conversation among TNP's newsroom, particularly with his editor, Aya Cathy. So we are going to do a debate-style counter here on the podcast talking about student loan debt. We have opinion editor Aya Cathy and assistant opinion editor Zach Donaldson. So hey, guys. <laughs> Aya, you go first. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, everyone. My name is Aya. I am a junior studying, uh, what am I studying? <laughs> journalism. journalism. Journalism, news and information. And I am the opinion editor at the New Political. All right, Zach. Sick. I'm Zach. Um, I'm a sophomore here at Ohio University. I'm the assistant opinion editor for the new political, and I'm studying political science and looking to get a certificate in law, justice, and culture. That's, that's really cool. <laughs> it is um, cool, I know. I am cool. You're very cool, Zach. So I'm going to have you both share your opening remarks on student loan debt, and then afterwards I will ask you questions, and obviously you can respond or... How, li- how long would you like these remarks to be? I don't um, Just a couple sentences. You know, sentences? you've done debates. Oh, my God. Just an opening oh Yeah, you're, you're a student government kid. I know. I am a, I am a, I am a student <laughs> government kid. A couple words about student loan debt. Okay. I'll just do some off-the-cuff stuff. Is it my turn? All right. So, I yeah, okay. <laughs> I think student loan debt, um, student debt relief is something that is great. I think that people have crippling um, debt th- from college that they obtained at a young age and didn't really know what to do with, and it can fester into some really like dark money habits and mental issues and anxieties going into adult life, and having that relief is incredibly important. I think Biden's um, new proposal is a great thing. I think that... Um, the people who did pay off their student loan debt might should maybe be entitled to some compensation for that. And yeah, I think there should be more plans like it in the future, depending on if this one goes well. I are you um were you, so you were happy with um Biden's plan? Yes. Okay. So Zach, give your opening remarks. Sick. So um I specifically kinda wanna start by talking about the Biden plan and then how that kind of more generally leads into my perspectives on the issue as a whole. So I I think we have to kind of acknowledge and clarify what we're talking about with student loan debt relief. And um, if we're using it as a one-time corrective to a social ill, which is what I believe the Biden plan is, is and it's why I'm I'm generally impartial. I think it's a decent enough proposal that will cause relief for people. Or if we're talking about instituting it as a successive part of the social safety net, that is something I'm not in support of. So specifically with the Biden plan, I think it's fine. 
honest, honestly, I think it could have done more. I think it probably could have done a better job of allocating those resources to lower income individuals. I don't think there's any reason that it should have been a broad cap and that that broad cap should have included people who are making $125,000, couples making $250,000. Those people, frankly, are, are in lucrative enough careers that relief is not necessary for them. And I think, um, if anything, it's a, it's a handout uh, to people who are already wealthy. So I think it would have been better allocated, but as a one-time plan coming out of the heat of COVID and to combat you know the ills of predatory lending, fine. I get into a problem when we talk about successive plans of loan relief and continuing to hand out that money because I think it it almost creates this sense of entitlement that the government will always be there for you. I think it shirks a sense of personal responsibility. And more than anything, it exacerbates issues of wealth inequality and it exacerbates the issue of rising college costs more than it solves anything. Um, student loan debt relief is correcting past problems, not building uh, to solve future ones. Aya, do you have any type of response to Zach's? Um, I think that student loan relief would actually benefit the economy. Um, and just the fact that, like you were saying about the cap, about those people who are already wealthy is $125,000. I don't think that equates wealth, especially in our current economy and the, just the cost of housing and just livelihood just costing more nowadays groceries gas all these things are insane right now so i wouldn't consider a hundred thousand dollars wealth but i do think that's proposes an interesting question about should people who identify as like lower class and aren't making that much money could they have gotten more relief and maybe there'd be levels to how much relief each economic group gets um and then speaking more on that i think student loan debt disproportionately hurts uh, people of color and young students and um, first-generation college students. So a plan maybe that's more geared towards them um, than, as Zach was saying, the people who are making, or couples making 250000 and have other means of paying off their, their loans. If there was a plan that was specifically designed for them, that would be a great idea as well. All right, Zach, your response to Aya's response and then her statement. Yeah, so I want to start off, um, just because it's sticking in my mind, uh, in regards to uh, students of color, and I think absolutely that's something that needs to be addressed. We would be naive to be having really any policy conversation without considering the fact that there are massive wealth disparities in this country, pretty much any broadband social policy that get instituted, um, people of color get the short end of the stick. But I don't think that's as much specifically an issue of student loan debt policies as much as that is a fact of the historical narrative, or not narrative, historical fact that, you know, since the 1500s we've been exploiting the wealth of marginalized groups. So the way we do that is through, I think, specifically allocated reparative measures to make sure they're back on the right track. If anything, this policy disproportionately helps um, higher income individuals. Here's a few statistics I had just looked at. Um, prior to writing the article, prior to this debate, families that make over $114,000 uh, borrow at the same rates as the lowest income students, but they're taking out loans twice as large. So they're getting a bigger chunk of the pie. Students with advanced degrees, so we're talking about lawyers, doctors, graduates, um, graduate degrees, account for almost 40% of the debt. 
50% of the debt is held by the top quarter of household in incomes. So it's largely a hand up to the better off when we're talking about these broadband policies. Um, I don't really see that as a reparative measure that's giving those groups a chance ahead. Furthermore, here's what I want to talk about. And this is my major problem, partially with the Biden plan, but with this conversation as a whole. Student loan debt relief needs to be done in conjunction with other higher ed relief. It is not solving the issue of rising college costs and without attacking state tuition expenses, attacking the ridiculous amount of money you have to spend on rising for college, it actually rises them. If we continue to propagate this idea that you can take out money and the government's gonna have a relief plan, you can take out money and the government will be there for you. Or do we really think that these for-profit institutions are not going to just continue to adjust their prices to account for that, going to continue in conjunction with predatory lenders exploit um, these students? They absolutely are. So the way we solve this is solving the issue for future students. I think community college should be free for every person in this country. I think it's ridiculous it's not right now. I think that state and public universities need a significant tuition reduction and cap. I mean, these are tax-funded universities that in many cases are more expensive to attend than private universities with aid and scholarship. That's how you attack that. That's how you build generational wealth and solve the systemic issue. Without that conjunctive reform, this exacerbates the inflationary costs of college. And it frankly, you know, I think, again, propagates this idea that, that we're continued to entitle to taking out money when at the end of the day, that is a personal choice. We can get more into that in the debate later, as I'm sure I'll get into. But. Um, I absolutely agree with you on the fact that um, community college should be free and that this actually uh, disproportionately helps uh, people of more privilege than lower class people of color. Um, and so on many fronts, I agree with you. But I do think that a lot of the damage has already been done. A lot of people have already taken out loans and are in college or have graduated. And they were manipulated by the system, honestly. Like there are college programs and online marketing tools that they use to get college students to take out loans and sign up for federal and private loans you have to pay back. And I honestly think that it's a privilege to be in the position where you either know that you don't need that loan or a better way to um, pay for college or get scholarships or grants. I Like a lot of people aren't raised with money management skills and their parents don't even have them themselves. And they are like, they have this idea in their head that, okay, I'm gonna go to college, I'm going to be successful, I'm gonna make my parents proud, and the best thing for me to do is to go to the best college and, and do whatever I can to get there. And you know they're very vulnerable to these people who will tell them that they have to take out these loans and then they graduate and maybe even the degree that they ended up with wasn't worth it to them or what they actually wanted to go in into, but regardless, they have hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loan debt now. and when they were 17, 18, 19 and applying to schools, there was no one around to tell them that, you know, there are better ways or easier ways to do it. So I would disagree that it is a choice for some people as in it was more something that they were convinced into doing. Zach, do you have a response to Aya on that? Yeah, on a few fronts. So first off, um, absolutely, I think it's a decision you can be pressured into. I think there's a lot of social pressures on college, but I disagree with the idea that as it stands right now, I mean, obviously, I think we could all agree, as it stands right now, college is not a right in this country, nor the idea that it's mandatory 
um, or a necessity. Yes, if you want to be a lawyer, doctor, certain fields, absolutely. But if we're just talking about accumulating wealth, community college is a very affordable option. I think a lot of people don't look at the fact that you could do two years of community college, transfer to a four-year university. It's and not you, that they're not looking at it. They're not taught it. That's my point. And, well, I'm going to get into that. I'm going to get into that. Where did you learn that? Where did I learn that? Um, yes. And here's another abstention I do want to say. I fully recognize that I have infrastructural advantages on this topic. Um, it's kind of why I wanted to come here and learn with the debate because, you know, I'm getting my tuition paid for by the university. I received a scholarship there. I don't have skin in the game in terms of debt right now. I'll, I want to go to law school. So by then, we'll be, we'll be taking out big bucks. But as of right now, I don't have skin in the game on debt. So I understand that obviously people who are of lower backgrounds do not have the resources for that information. But I think the solution is not loan debt, it's providing that education and providing that information. So, or loan debt relief rather, not loan debt, but providing the information and resources for them to make more you know, financially sound responsible decisions. So one time debt relief plan as Biden instituted to combat the predatory lending we've talked about for people already in that situation, yes. Successive plans when we've already clearly identified what those issues are and ways to address them, as I've suggested, predatory lending education, tuition caps for states, um, state universities, free community college. I think it removes the necessity of that loan de debt relief policy um, that, I, that, as I've already discussed, has problematic inflationary measures to it. So I think that's the way we tackle this issue. It's not successive loan debt relief plans. I understand and sympathize why so many people are in this pickle, but I think we have to reframe how we look at funding higher education and genu genuinely the worth and decisions that go into getting a higher ed degree than continuing to buy into the social narrative that everyone needs to go to college, that college is the end all be all, or that there's, these are the specific ways you should pay for college. I think it should be both. I think it should be those plans you talked about, community college and education on how to you know, get to college affordably, and also student loan debt relief, because um, like it's, I, I don't remember the number, but it's at least 50 million Americans have some kind of student loan debt relief right now. I would love to find out the number, but it is, I know it is close to there, and those people deserve some kind of relief, support, compensation for the debt that they have currently obtained as we are creating these educational programs. And then also you could argue that it, student loan forgiveness could rectify you know the racial equality inequalities and inequities that um, people of color have faced and you know that were manipulated by the system you know paying them back for that and I mean it's, it's not like a golden ticket to the rest of your life and your career and your adult world is going to be like soft but it takes this this guilt and shame and confusion and anxiety off of your shoulders of like this large number being held over your head so in some sense you know i think both plans could could work together relieving people of their debt while also educating the younger um students i'm gonna jump in really quick according to nbc news it's 45 million people in the u.s hold uh federal student loans hey there you go those people need a little help i think 45 million that's a lot of us in this article it's um it's called student loan debt in america in four charts it does talk about how um, debt weighs more on black families according to this article student debt is a heavier weight on families of color as the federal reserve survey shows that almost one in three black families and almost one in five hispanic families carry debt 
So do you want to expand a little bit more on that, Aya? Yeah, I mean, they, like I, I kind of touched on it earlier, but a lot of the Gen X and millennials and our parents, they didn't have that education, that formal education. Many of them maybe didn't even go to college. So they don't have those tools to pass on. There's no like, start. there is no generational wealth starting off point where they could help support the student in college, not just with tuition, but housing and groceries and all these things. They don't have that thing that they don't have that jumping off point and they also don't have the educational jumping off point so they go to school and they talk to their college advisors and you know people online and they're like either you know some of them are really nice but in public schools they also are underserved and overworked and um with nowhere to turn they sign up for loans and they think you know i want to do this for like i said you know supporting my family and being successful and and you said it's Hispanic families as well. So a lot of them have that language gap and they can't really help support their student or go have a meeting with the college admissions advisor at school. So it's difficult for them and the student's really on their own from the age of 17 or 18 applying to schools and they make these big money decisions without you know, consultation or without real help. And they get themselves into these situations and I don't think that means that they deserve to have this looming hundreds of thousands of dollars over their head for the rest of their life because of that. It's a decision that they made when they were young. Okay, so I'll I'll kind of respond in three waves. So one on the point about disparities, again, I absolutely agree it's naive if we have a conversation about that and don't address the elephant in the room that this disproportionately affects. Um, minority communities, lower income communities. But again, I, I want to point to the fact that that is as much more of an broad systemic issue in every facet of the economy, every uh, facet of social justice, not an issue of student loan debt relief specifically. I think student loan debt relief is a reactionary measure, not a preventative measure to those issues. The reforms I've discussed would be a preventative measure and first step to provide them those facts and resources so that they can have that leg up that, you know, someone like I, some like me currently does to make more responsible, or not more responsible, but just ultimately more financially secure future decisions. But what do you um, suggest for the people right now, the right now, 18 to 30-year-olds mm-hmm. with debt? 18 to 30-year-olds, I think that's why the Biden plan, you know, as I stated before, um, I'm not in complete opposition to it. I think a one-time debt relief installment, yes. The, re- dis- the reason I disagree with you on why not do both or have successive relief and the conjunctive reforms I discussed in the future is that once those reforms are instituted, once we've had this debt relief plan, I think it is absolutely impossible to avoid the argument that it is a personal choice to take out a loan in that in that scenario it is a personal choice to take out that loan if we've provided the educational resources on what this the possible decisions are to make made college affordable for people through state and community college choices at that point i feel that you are actively making that personal financial decision to attend college and it is not the government's responsibility or the taxpayer's responsibility many of you know these people who are lower income chose not to go to college because they couldn't afford it to take tax burdens um, for those decisions. Aya, what type of plan would you like to see? I think Biden's plan is to start. I I didn't even consider it before we started recording, but um, a plan with levels definitely for depending on your situation, how many years you've been in school, something with a little bit less of a range of financial, financial income and college debt and how much years of college and university that you spend something that does have those tiers would be i think a great place to start um 
and yeah maybe even more like like you said maybe we could start with something larger like larger than ten thousand dollars that's what it is right and then over time as we implement these educational plans and things like that get to smaller relief plans but i just i can't speak in the future in that sense that like that could all of these reform plans could take years maybe even generations and the people right now that are starting their lives you know gen uh what are we, are we gen x we're, we're we are Gen, Gen Z. Z. Gen You're Z. Gen Z yeah. Yes. Our parents are Gen X. Yes. Gen Z um, students and people, adults, young adults that are starting their lives right now, we cannot expect them to wait until they are 50 or getting to retirement age to finally see some relief for their um, for their debts. And it would be great. You know, we have kids one day and those kids are raised in a better educational system and more prepared to enter college financially secure. But it's unfair to ask them to wait your whole life to see that pay off. I do have a response if that's sick. Yeah, nope. Okay. Well, I think a beautiful thing's happening. I think we're actually kind of finding a bit of a middle ground, maybe getting closer um, to that. So in terms of the allocative reforms, I agree with you. I wish that's what Biden would have done in the first place. Um, and I would not be entirely oppose, opposed to one or two, like defined more measures of debt relief to target those in conjunction with what I've been talking about, community college and free college. You can correct me on this, but what I think... I understood it as is as these reforms are coming in place, let's make the debt relief plan smaller and initially and then eventually remove their institution need for them. I think that's what should be the end goal because I think we can both agree that debt relief is a reactionary reform. It is not a preventative reform. It's not solving the issue of higher education. It's just kind of repairing sins for the past. And that's why I have problems with getting into excessive and successive plans of relief. I admittedly don't think I did a great job of clarifying that in my article. Um, but that's my problem with successive plans, because if we spend so much time focusing on repairing sins, sins of the past, we will not be able to actively solve the problems of the future. So I think we're kind of finding a middle ground there in that debt relief should not ever be a long term solution to this problem. Um, I think we probably just disagree on the amount of money and focus we should allocate to it. Yes, I absolutely agree with you on all the points that you said. And it could also create other issues with colleges raising their prices or, you know, changing programs for making them harder to get into and things like that if people mm -hmm. are expecting to go into school and get all of their, their loans um, expunged. What is the word? Relieved. Relieved. And that's, yeah. and that's what I talked about a bit with in terms of entitlement. If we continue to propagate this idea that don't worry, you know, we're going to have a debt relief plan for you. People are going to take out more and more and then colleges are going to raise their price. And we're going to be at a point where, I mean, like, what's the price of Ohio State for an in-state student right now? Like $36,000 probably? It might be even – could you look that up? Can we get a Google on it? I can I mean, get a Google. That's absurd. That is ab absolutely ridiculous. I was sitting in my politics at Appalachia class. Um, Izzy, you were there as well. I mean, the cost of OU, OU – and I know OU and OSU are different – uh, like a hundred years ago. Sure, you can account for inflation, but it was like $200 to attend. Yeah. I don't think that that, we've, um, that inflation has caused that significant of a spike in prices, right? Like the cost of college has outpaced inflation to an absurd level, and we have to find a way to bring it down. But I don't think debt relief right. is the measure to do that. I think it can frankly raise it. That's another thing with people who were saying that, who were disagreeing with the debt relief program, um, Biden's, is that a lot of them are older and when they were in school, they, college did not cost nearly as much as it does now and their loans were likely with under 5,000, one, two, three grand. And um, 
yeah, that's that was one of my biggest things when the plan came out and I was reading social commentary and all these things and social media. A lot of pe- older generations weren't understanding that the loans that we're taking out and the amount of debt over a lot of young people's head is absolutely like five times as much as what they had. I do have the price check on, well, price check, I'm talking like I'm in retail still. (laughs) Um, I do have the price check on Ohio State. So tuition is $12,485 for an Ohio resident who is on the Columbus campus because, Mm -hmm. you know, OSU has regional campuses. But room and board is almost $14,000. I mean, $14,000, almost $14,000. It's about $27,000, I would say probably closer. Yeah, about 27 yeah but that's just tuition and room and board we're not including books travel expenses you know we we all go to ou like other fees included in that as well that aren't listed on the website and that's a huge thing with people who don't have to take out loans um they likely also have the support to pay for those other fees on campus um so a lot of students maybe they even could afford some part of college but they had to take out loans because they can't afford their housing or food or other things as well. A lot of these students are going at it on their own and this is like their first first challenge in the, the adult world. And so, you know, they make de- they make hard decisions and take out these loans and they're, you know, like Zach said, stuck in a pickle. And I think you both mentioned this. That was really, something that you both mentioned that I thought was really interesting was that students don't really get an opportunity to learn about like the predatory lending and you know what student loans are and what the different types are and that is exacerbated that is emphasized when you're a first generation student meaning that both of your parents did not graduate from a four-year university four-year university so you know i i think that I don't really know where I was going, but, um, you know, I think that that's an other perspective that needs to be taken. And then, you know, first generation students can look like anyone, you know, we have programs here for first generation students. I know cause I work there, but, um, we had programs even in my high school, but a lot of them, they help with like resumes and, um, what are they called? Uh, application, college applications mm-hmm. and then recommendation letters. They didn't do anything on financials to tell them how to get there. Their main goal was to getting them in college and getting them into these prestigious programs but giving them no way to pay for them yeah and i think that there's a real lack of like financial education in the united states and that's not like a hot take at all (laughs) like that's very everyone agrees pretty much especially in ohio i don't know about pennsylvania zach because well you're from pennsylvania Uh, i didn't think we had a robust financial education program in high school (laughs) now no but like you know it people don't i don't think people understand the weight that they're taking on sometimes when they take on loans, whether that's going to be like, or debt in general, whether that's credit card debt or, you know, getting a mortgage or all that stuff. Like I didn't know how to, how a credit card worked until I took a class here at OU. So like, I don't have a credit card, obviously. I just learned how it works. So, um, you know, I, I, I agree if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So do you guys have anything else that you really want to say about the topic? Um, I guess just from, and this is not as much of a system, systematic policy debate, um, but I, I guess my one, my one gripe and issue as well is I think in a lot of these, these cases, we, we have to consider the fact that like, it is, it is truly a personal choice to take out a loan. Um, yes, there are a massive social pressures that we've touched on, but in a lot of circumstances, 
a lot of pain could have been avoided if you took on a different career path or if you had chosen to go to a less expensive college. And I think there's so many individual micro circumstances that are involved in that um, that makes me less sympathetic um, to certain plights. For example, like I recognize that as someone going into the humanities, I'm not going to make a lot of money. Like law, yes, but if I just graduated with my political science degree, I'm not going to make a lot of money. Um, it's why I chose to go to a state university. So I had, you know, that that levity and financial leverage. That's a personal decision I make. I made, um, and I, I think that we need to have more education about what the actual outcomes are for careers, so people aren't taking on mountains of debt for things they're not going to be able to pay back. There was a recent survey. Um, let me find it. Do, 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 do. It was by I think ELVTR. Um, and showed 60% of Americans polled were unhappy with taking out, you know, loan debt in their choices. And they asked them, what would you redo? 28% would choose a different field, 25% would spend less on education, and 13% would attend a different school. So I think a lot of this shows that, yes, part of it's the expensiveness of college, but also part of it is just a lack of education and ultimately choices that if we had that education, there could be a better, there could have been a better alternative without any institutive forms of the whole. Um, I think this, I can, my, my response could be a whole separate podcast, so I will not go too deep into it. But I, don't, I will say that I don't think anyone deserves to be born into a certain financial status, economic, socioeconomic position, and told that it's almost physically impossible for them to pursue any dream that they want, whether that be doctor, lawyer, any, any, like, I, I do not, I, I, it, it's not fair to me, it's not my position to ever tell anyone that based on, just because of who you are and the family that you were born into, you have to go to community college and you have to become a mechanic, and that's the most practical outcome for you. Um, so I think, going back to those larger structural systems that Zach was speaking on earlier, those have to be adjusted in a way where, um, people can aspire to any dreams they want to. There's, it's, it's absolutely not fair to be in a position and um, have a certain privilege um, of going to college and choosing the career path. And even the people in that survey recognizing that they could have gone down another, a different career path and, chapped, and had just as happy or fulfilled as a life. There's, I'm not gonna ever tell a young person that just because of who you are, that you can't fulfill any dream you want to. So they wanna go to school, they deserve to have the education deserve to be educated on scholarships and grants and other ways to get through school because it is possible you don't even have to do it in four years you can take off time you can you know work through school there are other ways to do it but i would never shut anyone's dreams down um if they wanted to pursue that yeah and, and my response is my goal is not to shut anyone's dream down and i apologize um i don't want to clarify that if that's if that's um how those comments came off i'm just saying that if we had this education on those choices in the current, we could avoid so much pain by telling people maybe more proper ways to allocate towards that career path, doing two years at a community college, then doing a bachelor's. So you can maybe, you can get that degree, but you're having the tuition costs there. Cause I think we put so much emphasis on go to the four year university, do this, do this, do this, that there's for a lot of people who maybe don't have the resources to do that. There's still a way to point B, but it should be tackled in a different uh, way, perhaps in the current, I think everyone's goal is that 
you know, college is ultimately cheaper and we don't have to have those discussions about the different hoops people have to jump through. But in the current, I think that's a responsible way of handling the situation. Yeah, there are absolutely pressures um, and telling everyone that, that they, there is only way to, one way to get there. So I would agree that that is an issue. Um, but that is so popularized that you have to go to this prestigious um, university, do it in four years, and then be successful and make money. That's not the only path in life. So, yeah, I agree. I, I, if, when we start telling everyone that they have to go to Harvard, like that's where the problems be, like Absolutely. start to stem from. So, <laughs> I mean, you can do just as good of things at, you know, this Ohio University at Ohio University or Bowling Green or Ohio State. But um, my next kind of question, based off of the discussion about um, community college, do you guys think that there should be some type of? Um, I'm trying to think the word. But do you think do you think that the government should have I don't even I'm trying to think I'm talking about trade schools. <laughs> so do you think that the government should help pay for people to go to trade schools if that's what they choose or you know trade schools or you know you already said that you're Zach already said that in both of you actually already said that you're in favor of um, free community college. Mm-hmm. But do you think that the government should be pushing people more towards trade schools and I went to an early college high school, which means that we have trade programs built in um, as like certain academic programs that you can take in class in school. We had automotive, cosmetology, culinary, and then there was a associate's degree program at the community college. And then we also had IB and, you know, international baccalaureate program. Um, AP classes and regular classes, so there and honors classes. <laughs> so there were many academic programs in my school and different paths you can take, and each of them was valued the same. And every freshman, they went through their freshman year, they did their the equivalent to gen eds is in college, and then they decided what program they wanted to, what path they wanted to go down. And um, I think the government and the secondary education world could also be designed similar to that with. Um, trade programs and different levels of academia being um, valued and promoted on equal fronts. Because a lot of my peers, they knew that they they didn't want to go to a four-year college, and they either got their associates and went and started studying or going to a community college as well to get four years, or they went into a trade program and are working right out of school. And everyone kind of ended up in the field that made them happiest. So I think that more people should have that opportunity. No, definitely. I think, I mean, a lot of those jobs are just generally overlooked and understaffed right now. So any incentivization for people to pursue those. And um, I think that government level trade schools would be a great thing. Um, I mean, I'm sure those, I admittedly have a lack of knowledge. I don't know if those already exist, but, you know, subsidizing people to pursue those professions just like we have subsidized public education absolutely yeah for sure and that's interesting about your high school Aya mine uh we had like all of the local high schools had a partnership with the um I don't know what it's called it was called the Hobie and some, some kids would go there and you know do a trade and then some kids you know stayed at the high school it was a choice and then other kids uh, went to like the local Bowling Green branch but um, yeah, do you guys have anything else that you want to add to the conversation or do you want to do like closing remarks? Um, I'm pretty much set. I think we came to a pretty good middle ground. Yeah, I think I think we found a, a good consensus. Uh, mm-hmm. I still have a bit of neo-lib blood in me, definitely. I've not been fully swayed. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I think at the end of the day, 
we all want the same thing, and that's for college to be cheaper and more opportunities and resources to be granted to people of backgrounds that have just traditionally been robbed of that. Um, I think we have slightly different perspectives on the role student loan debt relief plays in, into that and if it's the way to get there. Yeah, all right. So thank you both. Um, that's all I got. All right, bye everyone. See you. And that's a wrap for this episode of Athens Happens. Make sure to check out thenewpolitical.com for more podcast episodes and other content. Thank you, and until next time.